Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Andrew Sheehan from the San Antonio Military Medical Center. This evening, I have the great honor of introducing someone who really doesn't need uh, much of an introduction with respect to his contributions to shoulder surgery, and specifically shoulder surgery among athletes, Dr. Jim Bradley from the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Bradley was a senior author of the paper, Type 8 Slap Repair at Midterm Follow-Up, Throwers Have Greater Pain, Decreased Function, and Poorer Return to Play, which is currently impressed with the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, Dr. Bradley, and thanks for joining me. As we all know, your your group has essentially cornered the market on clinical studies pertaining to posterior labral tears of all flavors, really. Um, as I was preparing uh, for our conversation, it quickly became apparent to me how little has been written about this particular lesion. But before we dive in your paper, I want to talk a little bit more about your experience treating these unique lesions. Can you talk a little bit more about the clinical findings, be it on history and or physical exam that might raise your index of suspicion for a type 8 slap tear? Yeah, usually they have some kind of slap event. Uh, they'll be pitching fairly well, they'll have pain for a number of months or so, and then there'll be a sudden event. And once they have that event, um, you know, they have certain physical findings that you kind of want to look for. Um, We've just started looking and just are going to publish on these two physical exam findings that we find very, uh, very uh, sensitive and specific, and that's called the the deep pit test or the dynamic posterior instability tests and in throwers. And then there's a the modified deep pit. And then there's a Whipple test, the typical Whipple's test. And then there's a the modified Whipple. Um, and basically we looked at these and found that their sensitivity and specificity is very high for these type eight slap lesions. From an intraoperative decision-making standpoint, can you talk to us about what exactly it is that you're looking for uh, that pushes you towards fixing uh, these type slap eight lesions. Yeah, the 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 interoperative findings or uh, arthroscopy findings are really important. You know, in in contact athletes, we think that what happens is is they tear the posterior inferior labrum uh, with a direct mechanism or multiple indirect blow, uh, you know, an insult, and then it starts to tear up along the labral glenoid junction. Um, but in throwers, we think the opposite happens. They start with a 2B slap up at the top from like 12 o'clock to like 9 o'clock. And then what happens, they split along the glenoid labral junction, but there's also a split right in the middle of the labrum where the tension band is uh, that uh, Ben Kibler and I have talked about. Um, but anyway, th- that double split is almost pathognomonic uh, for a thrower's type 8 slap. Uh, oh, excuse me. The other thing you look for, um, you know, arthroscopically is when you take the arm out of abduction, take the arm out of, out of the traction, we do it in a lateral position, and you put it in an abduction external rotation like you're going to throw, the biceps will almost fall or invaginate off the face of the glenoid, and you can see these, this peel back. And typically, there's some uh, a little bit of rotator cuff involvement in well over, I don't know, 50 to 60% of them. So that dynamic assessment is really, it sounds like, an important important piece of the uh, the intraoperative diagnostic equation for you then. 
Yeah, if I don't see that, then I'm saying, uh, you know, Jim, where's the pathology? So then I'll look at the bicep in the groove and see if it's unstable in the groove um, or see if the, the um, rotator interval is widened or if there's a, a break in the, in, in the, in the uh, orifice where the biceps goes out uh, down the shoulder. But, you know, typically with a good history, I mean, the most important thing is the history and physical. Then it correlates with the MRI, and then you correlate it with your interoperative findings. And when you have all three of those things, you know, you're, you're pretty well sure that this is the problem and, and you can fix it. Sure. Well, certainly you and your group uh, should be commended for reporting on what is to date the largest series of type 8 slap tears uh, with a mean follow-up of uh, just over six and a half years. The title of your paper doesn't really leave the reader in too much suspense regarding the main conclusion of your study, but can you give us some take-home points from your study? Did anything you found surprise you? Well, actually, there are, there are a few things that surprised me. The, the, the most kind of salient thing is that it didn't matter if they, we fixed college pros or the same level, or a recreational level. It didn't make a difference on their recovery. The other thing that was very surprising to us was that although the throwers, you know, have greater pain, decreased function, and poor return to play, the satisfaction of our throwers was 96.3%, and the satisfaction of our non-throwers was 100%. So we felt that, you know, even though they had a little more trouble, they were glad that they did it because they they basically improved their, you know, their their pain, their stability, their range of motion, their KJOC scores, and their ASCS scores were both statistic, all statistically significant, both in throwers and non-throwers. So it kind of pushed us to say, look, we're doing the right thing now as long as we get the right diagnosis. You see, I was, uh, I was also struck by the discrepancy between the ASCS scores and the KJOC scores of the throwers and the non-throwers at final follow-up. Um, specifically the magnitude of the difference in the KJOC scores between these two groups. Based on your results, are you inclined to think that the KJOC score might be a better measure for discerning uh, for these differences uh, amongst athletes? And um, yeah. is there something about the KJOC score that you think might lend itself to a more precise characterization of the functional recovery? So the KJOC score actually started a long time ago when Jimmy Taboni and I wrote a, a, a paper because we said uh, – in um, Dick Casperi's book, uh, Mobility Versus Stability. And we basically said, we don't have a great score for throwers. I mean, we have these other scores. So we initially uh, looked at all these scoring systems and he and I both came together with a 100 point scoring system, which was totally non-validated, but we used it. And Casperi used it and a number of other people used it. And then Neil Elitraj and his group at KJOC said, wait a minute, we're going to validate this and we're going to make this a better scale. And it is a better scale than mine. So I would say, yes, the KJOC score is certainly better measure of throwers outcome scores when compared with the ASDS score. Uh, you know, in our study, we also included the KJOC score for non-throwers for completeness, but it was really designed for throwers. Um, and the only reason at the beginning of the study, we, it predated the KJOC score, so we couldn't use it then. But I would say to you categorically, the ASES score is too lenient for throwers, and the KJOC score is what you should use if you're studying throwing athletes. Interesting. Well, that that certainly underscores the uh, the importance of <clears throat> excuse me appreciating the nuances of treating uh, throwing athletes. So, 
Well, Dr. Bradley, thank you very much for your time this evening again. Um, I know I enjoyed reading your paper, and I'm sure the Arthroscopy Journal readers are going to enjoy um, reading your paper on uh, type 8 slap repairs. So thank you very much, sir. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, you doing this, but, I, you know, I've got, I'm not the one all doing this. So, you know, we had Mitchell Foreman and Justin Arner put a lot of work into it, and uh, so I always got to give my co-authors credit because it's just not, as you know, it's just not one person. There's a team of people that do this. So thank you for having me, and I, I hope you all have a great night. Great. Thanks, Dr. Bradley.